Well, Beverly, Wanda, thank y'all very much. That was a very, very pretty song. That is entitled Thread of Hope. That is probably one of my favorite songs. You know, you get to thinking, when you're holding on to that last thread of hope in your life, make sure it's that thread that belongs to Jesus' robe. He will not, that thread will not break. He will bring you in. I tell you what, if I have to hold on to a thread... I want it to be his robe. <clears throat> uh, what I'm going to do this morning, Lance, where you at? Come up here. Lance is going to read a, thank you. Uh, Lance is going to read a scripture this morning for you. And uh, can, can you see okay? Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Thank you very much. That was real good. Real good. <clears throat> and if, it, if any of you young people want to read a scripture, if you will let me know and get with me, we will let you read one. But you have to pick the scripture out. Nobody picks it out for you. It's your scripture that means something to you. And then, at one time, I wasn't going to make Lance do that this morning, but at one time we did something like this. And I wanted to kind of tell you why they picked that scripture, what it meant to them. And, uh, but anyway, so if you want to read a scripture, please just let me know, and we'll get you up here and let you read a scripture. Uh, <clears throat> I know uh, we, we need to keep some people in prayer. Uh, we've got, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we got Sue Sherwood fixing to go in for surgery Wednesday the 18th, and they're going to take care of a hernia in her stomach, there where the esophagus goes into the stomach. And, uh, and her husband, Curtis, the 18th, is going to go in for knee replacement. And uh, we got Martha Brown going to go in uh, the 18th for eye surgery. And uh, Mike Watkins is the other. I don't know for sure yet, but he's going to go into Baylor to be, have his leg taken care of. So we've got people just going to be everywhere. I'm going to be with everybody that I can that they will let me be there. And, uh, but... Uh, we will send it out also on the prayer chain. And please, y'all pray for these people. Rex Drummond back here, he's got a, <clears throat> a niece. Time to spell that he wants prayer for. She's going through some difficult times right now. And we want to keep her in prayer. And let me say something. If you are not on the prayer chain, if you're not notified when we get these calls of people that are needing prayer, if you would like to be put on the prayer chain, please get with my wife, Linda. She will put your name down, give her your phone number, and you will be notified. But please, if you do this, when you are notified, please pray for the person. Because this is very important. You know, God hears our prayers. 
and it says the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. So when, when, when we're righteous and we're right with God, our prayers carry a lot of weight with God, and he hears us. So we've had a lot of, uh, a number of successes with the prayer chain, getting the results of how they come through surgery or through a sickness or accident or whatever. God hears our prayers. So if you would like to be put on the prayer chain and be notified when somebody needs prayer, please get with my wife Linda and uh, she'll get your name down, get your phone number, and you'll be notified. So uh, again, I want to thank you all very much because prayer truly is a weapon that the Christian has. And we need to use that weapon. God gave it to us to use. Let's use it, and he'll honor it. So, <clears throat> but this morning, you see, I think that's everything. Oh, Peggy Pickle. She is not here this morning. She called me. She is having her teeth removed and getting new teeth. And she's in a lot of pain right now. They removed teeth, I think, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday one. And she's in a lot of pain right now. So if y'all would keep her in prayer and everything, she is going through some pain right now having those teeth removed. And uh, <clears throat> so, but this morning I want to bring you just a, a, a message. And I've, I've entitled, The Victory of the Cross is Ours Today. Do y'all realize what Jesus did on that cross 2,000 years ago is still in effect for us today? It still belongs to us. The victory that Jesus won on that cross, that is your victory that you can still claim and use today. That blood has not lost its power. I love that song. There's power in the blood. And that song is so true. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And you know, but it's, it's, sometimes it's good to remind ourselves of the power of the cross and what God has accomplished on that cross through his great love and sacrifice. Do you realize what kind of sacrifice God made for us? Sending his one only begotten son to that cross to die for our sins. That's how much God loved us. You know, we go right back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever will believe upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. When God sent his son, he was preparing everlasting life for us that would believe and accept what his son did on that cross. You know, sometimes we look at that verse, and I've heard that, and I've heard it so much. You ought to be glad you're hearing it. Because God is telling you how much he loved you, and what he's done for you, and how, how you're still on his mind. That song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I love that song. When Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. That's why he went to the cross. It's because of you and his love for you. Even though the cross, now it is a symbol of execution, it's a symbol of death. It also shows God's power in his fullness that was revealed to us through what Christ did on the cross. Yes, the cross is cruel. If you look at that cross, you want to say that cross is ugly, but in a way it's beautiful because of what Christ did on it. 
He gave you eternal life. He gave you salvation through what he did on that cross. The cross was a symbol of, of uh, the greatest rescue of man that the world has ever seen or ever will see. When, when Jesus went to that cross, he rescued each person that would believe in his son and confess him, believe in him that he rose from the dead, he said, you shall be saved. So when we believe in what Jesus Christ did on that cross and we believe in his resurrection and we do not doubt that, Jesus says you have an eternal home in heaven. I hope every one of y'all, and I hope me, that I know I believe and I think you do, but you can't doubt. Many people say, well, I know it, it sounds good. And I, I believe because just sometimes I don't know about. Read your Bible. And God will tell you what you're doubting. It's true. It's not, you shouldn't doubt. But believe in your heart what Jesus Christ did for you. And he says you have to believe and not doubt. For he who doubts, let him not think he shall receive anything. God does not want doubt. No greater love has a man than to lay down his life for a friend. Do y'all realize that's what Jesus did for us? He laid down his life because of his love for us. We were his friends. He, Jesus went through so much pain and so much suffering on that cross. But you know, he did it because of his love for you and because of his love for the Father. The Father asked him, Son, there's only one way that man can be saved. It has to be a sacrifice without spot or without blemish. There can be no flaws in this sacrifice. You, my son, are, are the Lamb of God. You know, Whenever day Jesus was getting ready to be baptized in the Jordan River, John was standing there. He saw Jesus coming. And John said something. Behold, for it is the Lamb of God. Talking about Jesus when he was coming down to be baptized. Jesus was getting himself ready and prepared to do what he had to do for each one of us. And we need to be very thankful for that cross and for God's love. And uh, but I'm going to be in the book of Colossians. We don't hear a whole lot from that book of Colossians. But Colossians says a, a whole lot about the cross and what that cross means and what it has done. I'm going to, I'm going to look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15. 13 through 15, three verses. And uh, I want to show you three things about the power of the cross and what Christ did for us. You know, when we read God's Word, we have to realize this was not penned, not written by man, but simply by the Holy Spirit speaking to man, telling them what to write, what to put in that Word, what God wants you to know. They didn't just sit there and start writing. The Holy Spirit come up on them and gave them instructions as to what to write. What God wants. The Bible is the inspired word of God, not man. We have to remember that. 
The Bible is God's word from him to us explaining so much stuff about what he did and why he did it. And really every reason that he did it, one thing, love. They said God is love. You can describe God one word, love. When you think about God, just think about love. Think about how much he cared for you. And while uh, here in the here in the first, uh, I'm going to look at Colossians two thirteen. This kind of tells us that through the power of what Christ did on that cross, anyone can be forgiven of their sin. Anyone. God never specified that you had to be just so so. He said, "For whomsoever." shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Do you realize each one of us is a whomsoever? We're each a whomsoever. No matter what you did, no matter what your past was, where you've been, what you did, who your friends were, or anything else. He said, if you will call upon the name of my son Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, confess him with your mouth, you shall be saved. It didn't say you had to be perfect. And so many people think I can't come to God until I get myself cleaned up. You cannot clean yourself up enough to come to God. Only God can clean you up. It's kind of like these fishermen. He sends us out to catch the fish. God just told us when we come to me, he says, you catch them and I'll clean them. God will clean us. He's the only one that can clean us up enough to do what he wants us to do. You know, God's got, he, God's got something for each person in here and we don't realize that. If you're sitting here today and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to ask him, God, what is it you want me to do? What is it I can do for you? Maybe sing in this band. Maybe it's to play a guitar. Whatever. Maybe it's to to be an usher. Maybe it's to take up the collection. Maybe it's to sweep the floor. I don't know what he's got for you. But what he's got for you, say, Lord, it's me. I'll do it. You let me know what you want. And sometimes people are afraid to ask that. I made that mistake. I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I didn't know he was going to make me a preacher. <laughs> because I hesitated so many years about coming to God. I'm kind of like that guy. They said, Are you ever going to start the church? I had so many people ask me. I said, Yeah, one of these days, you know, when I get old and can't do nothing else, maybe I'll go to church. That was my attitude. Well, I'm glad I went before I got too old to do something. I don't know if you can get too old. You know, Abraham was 75 years old when God first called him and sent him out. I'm just a couple years older than Abraham. But God still got things for us to do. I love going to the hospitals. I love visiting with the people. I love praying for them because I know God hears those prayers. I've seen miracles. I've seen signs. I've seen wonders that God has done. 
And boy, when God does something like that, you talk about inspiring you. It does. It's so inspiring to go and see what God's got in store for you that day. I've seen them get up out of the bed. I've seen God heal people that they, doctors couldn't even stop nothing. You know, I've told you all before, she's not here this morning, she's got one of the grandkids. But Pat Bromley, I was with her in the emergency room. Her heart was just going crazy. They could not get it under control. I finally got to go in there, anointed her with oil and prayed, and almost immediately, all the machines in there went to normal. The doctors and the nurses come in there. They said, what's going on? What's going on? What happened? I said, I love what Pat told them. She said, God showed up. God showed up. Before I know, Pat's doing great today. I've seen God do miracles. I've seen signs and wonders through God's love. And I'm always anxious because I know if God, if they feel like God has sent me to that hospital, something is going to happen. I'm looking for it. I'm believing. I know the power of the cross. I know the power that when Jesus died and he shed that blood, I know the power that came down to each one of you. He's, he's got something very specific for you to do. The only thing you've got to do is find out what it is. And most of us are going to ask because we're afraid he's going to answer us. Oh God, I don't know if I can do that. If he sends you to do it, I'll guarantee you you can do it because he's not going to send you out to do anything that you can't do. You just better be prepared to do whatever he sends you to do. If you can't do it, there'll be somebody there to help you do it. There'll be another servant of God there working right beside you, helping you do what God wants you to do. You know, through the power of the cross, like I said, anybody can have forgiveness. I want to read the scripture, go Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins, the uncircumcision of your flesh, Jesus has quickened you. Quickened means to make alive. Jesus has made you alive when you come to him. This way, together with him, having forgiven given all trespasses or have forgiven your sins, he has made you alive through him. The forgiveness that comes to us through the sacrifice of Jesus is available to the very worst of sinners. Like I said, it's, you are whosoever. You are whosoever. Whenever you come to Christ, I don't care, like I said, I don't care about your past. God says that's in the past. Now, we're looking at right now. We're looking at what's fixing to take place in your life. We're looking at what I am fixing to do, how I am fixing to change you, how you are going to become that new creation in God. You're going to become a new creation. And it says that the forgiveness that comes to us through the sacrifice is available, like I said, to the worst of sinners. If you look in the Bible, you will find how Jesus touched so many people that had very, very bad reputation. He touched prostitutes. He touched tax collectors. He touched the most vilest criminals 
because they believed on his son. He was going to change them. And he, he will change you in an instant. He will change you in the twinkling of an eye. All you got to do is believe and let him do it. Like it says in Romans 10 13, I just said it a while ago, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It don't make no difference what you did, what kind of past you had, who your friends were. God says, we're starting over. This is a new beginning. It's a new beginning. You know, I, I just wonder sometimes, can you imagine that thief on the cross with Jesus? Well, they, were, they, they say he was, chances are, we know he was a thief because it says he was a thief. And a lot of people think that he was also a murderer. We see a man, too. Actually, he was a murderer. And God used him tremendously. You know who that man was? Paul. Paul hated Christians. He hated Christians. He chased them down. He had them thrown in prison. He had them executed. And then one day on the road to Damascus, God took and changed Paul's whole life. Paul was so dedicated to what he was doing. I think God looked at him and said, a man that's that dedicated, I can use him. But I'm going to have to change him but I can use him. God changed him and used him mightily. Paul wrote about three-fourths of the New Testament. That's how God can work. That's what God can do. He can change you into something that you never thought you could do. Never thought that you could do. God gave us a brand new life through the power of the cross and what Christ did on it. You've got a brand new life if you want it. Don't keep holding on to your old life. If you're unhappy and you're not satisfied with what you're doing right now, you say, I know that I need to get with Christ, but I just don't know. Let's give Jesus a chance in your life. Let him use you. Let him work through you. You're going to be so surprised at what he'll do. It's going to be the greatest thing. You say, why did I wait so long to do this? How come I waited so long? That's what, that was me. Why, God, did I wait so long to come to you? The answer that I got was because you was not ready then. You was not ready. You had to mature. You had to get some growth in you. You had to start getting hungry. You had to start wanting change. You had to start wanting me to do something in your life. When we get to that point, then that's when God said, okay, now I can do something. I can use you. I can do something in your life. And this new life comes through his indwelling spirit that is in us. What is that indwelling spirit that is in you? That day... If you have accepted Jesus Christ, that indwelling spirit is the Holy Spirit himself. That day you said yes to Jesus Christ, something happened to you. God filled you with his Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, no matter what you do, that Holy Spirit is with you. Guiding you, 
leading you, comforting you, instructing you. You're never alone. God's Spirit is living on the inside of you. You've got power that you don't even know you have. It's time to use the power that Jesus Christ gave us. And we're not using it. It's just like here a while back, there was a sermon I did in the latest song, Speak to the Mountain. How many of y'all have really spoken to the mountain that's in your life? The mountain is not this thing sitting out here. That mountain is that problem, that trouble, that circumstance, that thing that's in your life that's holding you back. That's your mountain. You have the authority. It said, and when you speak, speak with authority and the victory shall be yours. How many of you speak with authority? God told me I could tell this mountain. He, you know, too many times God said, you speak to the mountain. You. And too many times we go to God and tell him about how big and how rough our mountain is. It's time to tell your mountain how big your God is. It's time for you to speak to the mountain in the name of Jesus. We have that authority to use the name of Jesus. He gave us that. And the demons and the devils and the scorpions and the snakes and so forth cannot stand up to that name. They have to bow to it when you use it. It says that we can rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus and he has to flee. How many of you speak to the enemy in the name of Jesus? Probably not very many. When things get bad enough, I hope you remember that you have authority. You need to use that authority. You need to speak to your mountain in the name of Jesus. And use that authority. He gave you the authority to use his name. He gave you the authority to use his name. He said, I have given you power. You know, authority is another word for power. Power. He has put power in you when you use his name. It's not your power, but it's his power in you, and that power in you is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why that Holy Spirit's there in us. You know, this new life comes, like I said, through the bloody spirit. And it's 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 eternal. It's going to be there forever. It's never going to leave you. It's eternal. It is also described as abundant life. How many in here really would like to have abundant life? Really abundant life. Jesus says he came to bring us abundant life. We look at John 10.10. 10. It starts out, and Satan came but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then Jesus says, whoa, hold on just a minute. But I have come to give you life and to give it in abundance. Jesus is the abundance of life. When you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have abundant life. There is nothing, what did God say? For nothing shall be impossible for you. Nothing. He didn't set up, well, you won't be able to do this, or you won't be able to do that, or you better be careful when you do that. He said, nothing will be impossible for you to do. If you believe, if you have a faith, that of a grain of a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain and that mountain has to move. How many of us look at it like that? You know what? The mustard seed is the tiniest seed of all. 
If you've got that much faith and you believe in your heart, God says nothing shall be impossible for you to do. Sometimes we don't think about what the power that's inside of us right now. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit is simply the Spirit of God Himself. You, don't, you didn't know you had that much power, did you? Start using it. See what God will allow you to do. <clears throat> you know, there is a... <clears throat> talk about abundant life. I want to tell you a story right there. It's going to be pretty quick. But probably many of you have heard of a man named John Newton. I don't know if you have or not. You will in a minute. He was a man who lived a very simple and wicked life. He was involved in what they call slave trading. He was the captain of a slave ship. Today we call it human trafficking. But he was the head of that slave ship. They would take captured slaves, put on that slave ship, and they would take them to be sold. And as he was going across the sea, it said that in the midst of a very violent storm at sea, when all hope looked, just like what the girls were singing a while ago, when all hope looked lost, there is no hope left. I have no hope. This man did something. As wicked as he was, as vile as he was, what did he do? He called out to God and asked God to forgive him of his sin. To give him and his ship a hope. To save their lives. As a result of John calling upon God, he receives a new life that can only come through Christ. It's the only life that could come through Christ. No other person or thing could have changed this man except God. And he did. He heard his cry. And maybe, I'm sure you've, you've experienced this love of Christ. Maybe things really got bad. Maybe you feel like there was no hope that this is it. And you called out to Christ. Sometimes, I think sometimes God does things to make us call on Him. How many of you have been in a situation you say, there's no way, I guess I'm going to have to call and ask God for forgiveness or I'm going to have to call and ask God to help me. You know, that should have been the first thing we've done. Not the last thing, but the first thing is to call upon the name of God and ask Him for His deliverance, for Him to help us, for Him to forgive us of our sin. That's what this John Newton did. The story behind this abundant life that John received was best that he wrote, a, he wrote a song. God filled him with so much love and so much mercy, so much grace, he sat down and he wrote a song. And all of you have heard it. We sang it. Anybody ever hear of the song Amazing Grace? John Newton, the captain of the slave ship, wrote that song in response to what God did for him. Just a few lines. I'm not going to sing it to you. Be me. Don't worry. It says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
that saved a wench like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Well, I think I both all can probably say that. I was once lost. I was blind. But thanks to God, now I can see. That is how John Newton thanked God. And this is not the only hymn he wrote. It's just the only one that I put down here. But John Newton gave his life to Christ. He served Christ all the days of his life. He was so thankful how God forgave him. I hope we're all thankful for what God has done in our life. How he has forgiven us. How his son shed his blood so we could be forgiven. Even though he suffered and went through great pain. I think if Christ had to, which he's not, he'd do it again for you. Now he's been here once, he's died once, and he's not going to do it again. Because that blood he shed on day one is still just as effective today as it was then. When we call on him, that blood has not lost its power. It's as strong as it ever was. It's still it's saving. It is still forgiving. It is still healing. It's still doing everything that it did the day he shed that blood. And the last thing, through the cross, Christ defeated all powers of the enemy. Do you realize that through his death he defeated all the powers of the devil? All the powers of Satan. Christ defeated them on that cross. In Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 15, Paul shows the triumph of Jesus on Good Friday. You know, it said that Jesus died on Good Friday. That he went to that cross on Good Friday and raised on Sunday. Three days in the grave. But he said that uh, this is how Jesus worked, I mean, how he spared the devil. He said, and having spared principalities and powers, Jesus made a show of them openly, triumphing over them all. He didn't defeat just some of the Satan's powers. What did he say? He defeated them all. Everything that Satan had, Jesus took away from him. Satan's running a pretty good bluff on us. He's got us thinking what? We're thinking Satan is a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. It says he is like. That's, that's, that's it, like. He is not a roaring lion. He is like a roaring lion. Like I told y'all, I think it was last week or week before last, Jesus Christ is the real lion, the lion of Judah. Satan is imitation of Jesus. Satan tries to copy what Jesus does. Satan tries to copy the words of God. He can't do it, but he changes them up. He's an imitator. He's trying to make us believe that he is somebody he's not. He, he intimidates us. He tries to scare us through fear into doing what he wants us to do. But what does the Bible say? For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but that of love, power, and a sound mind. God didn't give us fear. Satan gives you fear. 
And fear, notice something else. Fear is a spirit. He did not give us the spirit of fear. Satan did. Now when we accept that spirit of fear, Satan can do just about anything you want to with us. He can do just about anything at all. But when you look up and all of a sudden you start getting kind of afraid, you say, wait a minute, what am I doing? God did not give me this spirit of fear. This is coming from Satan. Satan, you don't have the power because Jesus took it from you at the cross. You, don't, you can't do this. You don't have that power. You do not have that power. Paul tells us that at the cross, Jesus disarmed all of Satan's forces. Even his demons, Christ disarmed them too. And he, made, he said he made a public spectacle of them. This was a show of total victory that Jesus won over the power of the enemy. And that power of Christ, like I said, is still in effect today. We say triumph. I found a little deal here. I want to share it with you. The phrase triumphing over them is a picture of a Roman general leading his captives through the streets of his city for all the citizens to see the evidence of his total and complete victory. Jesus had total and complete victory over Satan and all of his demons. It's like he led them through the streets. He said he made a public spectacle of them. Like he led them through the streets. So everybody could see his total and complete victory over the enemy. He has total victory over the enemy. You have total victory over the enemy through Christ and what he did. And through this, I'm getting ready to close, but there's one favorite scripture that I like that I just kind of added in here, and it's 1 John 3, 8. I like what this scripture says. It says, He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Satan sinned from the beginning of time. And for this purpose, listen, for this purpose... The Son of God was manifested or the Son of God was sent to us that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil that were coming against us. That's how we have our victory. Jesus has already destroyed the works of the devil. He's already destroyed the works of Satan. All we got to do is stand with Jesus. Tell Satan, hey Satan, you have no power over me. I belong to Christ. And he has already defeated you. Therefore, if he has defeated you, I have defeated you also. You have no power over me. You roar, you do whatever you want to do, but you don't have no power over me. I belong to God. That's my Father. You got something personal? You take it up with the Father. How many of you ever told Jesus, you told Satan whenever he come against you, hey, you need to take this up with my Father. Satan don't want nothing to do with God because he knows he can't win. Put Satan on the spot. 
He came to destroy the works of the devil. Why? To set us free. To set us free. He set us free from sin, and sin is the enemy of mankind. For the soul that sinneth shall surely die. I'm going to close. I'm going to ask the band to come up. But we need to remember what we have inherited through the power of the cross. What did Jesus give us on the cross? What did he do for us? He has given us the forgiveness of sin. Now we can have the forgiveness of sin and that sin is no longer held against you. God don't even remember it anymore. He has cast it as far as the east from the west never to bring it up to you again. He's not bringing up your past. It's gone. We're being made alive through Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit now that's in us. Through the cross, we now have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And we also now have victory over the enemy. We have victory over the enemy through the shed blood of Christ and his resurrection. We have the victory over death and we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, want, we, we, think, we don't want to think about the cross because we think it's so dreary, so ugly. It's what Jesus went through. Jesus knew what he was going to go through. Nothing was a surprise to him. He knew it. But he did it for each one of us because of his strong, faithful love. He wants us to have the victory over sin, the victory over death, victory over the enemy. Jesus did whatever he had to do to bring us the victory. You have it. All you got to do is use it. Many of us aren't using it. So I'm going to ask the band, if they will, to sing. If you're here today, and God, you feel like God has called you, and you haven't said yes to Him, we have altars right up here. Come, kneel at that altar. Say, Lord, use me. I belong to you. See what happens in your life. Your life will change. If you have something going on, you need prayer, I'll be glad to pray for you and anoint you with oil. But God wants to touch each person here today in whatever way you need to be touched, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whatever. He wants you to know you belong to Him. He wants you to be okay. So if there's a problem, if you've got something going on, bring it to God. That's what He wants you to do. Lay your burden down. Give it to Him. He'll carry it for you. So I'll ask the band to, to, to sing. And if, there's a, if you have a need, please bring it to the altar and we'll pray about it.